Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, no matter how you shop, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. All right, we are back here for the Death Lineup, episode number three. Right after the Warriors beat the Nuggets to take a 3-0 lead in the first round of the NBA playoffs, Brian is back. We have Eric Carrillo, who also does some shows with Brian on The uh, on the Bad. Eric, how's it going? Did you say The Bad? The Bam. The Bam. The bam. <laughs> Trademark. Uh, yes, hi. Hello, folks. Uh, I'm, I'm a... Uh, co-host with bg over on the bam pod the nfl pod but i am a big warriors fan so i'm kind of glad to you know flex my uh my basketball knowledge a little bit here and kind of diversify it a little bit but yeah i'm looking forward to talking with you guys okay so give people a little bit of a perspective i did this with bry Mm -hmm. you are used to the warriors being really good probably ever since you started watching them they've been good right no so my initial era well, I've been a Warrior fan since I was born, but my my initial, I guess, early era was right after post We Believe. So I guess 08, you know, the 48 win okay. season, missed, missed the playoffs. And then Steph's rookie year from like 09 going to 2012, and then things started to get better. So yeah. like my okay. some of my favorite memories are like, you know, 2011, 2012 with Darrell Wright, you know, some of those uh, those scrub teams that I, I have a soft spot for. But yeah, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I guess in comparison to Warrior fans who have been fans since the 80s or, or 90s, I have a pretty good. But you yeah, got, you guys are, are very lucky to grow up in this era. But, you know, it's uh, it is not all. How do you say it? I guess it's it, the, the, the way that the team has been the last couple of years hasn't been perfect. And uh, and that's why this this season has been so fun is because they're kind of back and they're competing again at a, at, a, at a high level. All right, so um, I had uh, I told Brian we're going to talk about a couple of different topics here. We're going to talk about also the NBA, the the how the playoffs are going, and we're going to do our Kaminga watch. So we'll be we'll be going good for about I don't know forty five minutes. So hang hang tight with us here. Uh, so let's start it. Let's kick it off with. Point one for me uh, on the main topics of the game. And my question was, was what happens when the Warriors face a really good Nuggets team? The first two first two games, I, I thought the Nuggets were probably, I don't know, B minus C plus for, for what their fans expected. And the Warriors are going to roll over teams who give a B minus C plus effort. I thought the Nuggets were about a B plus A minus tonight, and I think it showed. And 
my whole thought process, uh, especially in the third quarter when Nuggets went on that little bit of run, was, okay, like how do the Warriors respond? When you call on what we are calling the Fast Five, or what do you call it, Bri? PTSD, or uh, what, what death and max is what Kawakami calls it. That lineup, at some point, the more that you play that lineup, the, the other teams have more reps against it. They have more ways to scheme against it. And then and the Warriors went to that lineup early, and it didn't really work at all. Uh, they were a minus six at some point. I'll, we'll we'll figure out what the final numbers are. But when it come to when it came to can they take the Nuggets' best punch, they took it, and then in the fourth quarter they did what they generally do. Brian, what were your thoughts on how the Warriors played at the end there after it looked like the Nuggets that they were ready, the crowd was ready, and then they just kind of deflated it. Um, I think that the Warriors didn't play to the crowd. I thought that especially in a couple of those last possessions, obviously the acrobatic pool layup, it seemed like they slowed it down, got into half court, a couple possessions there. And, um, you know, I, I feel like um, when the crowd is going nuts, especially when you're at another team's arena, you might, you know, you might speed it up a little bit and not play to your pace, even though I think that lineup is really good just playing so fast. is what they always do. Draymond just inbounds it really quickly and they start running. I thought when they slowed it down too, it was, it was even, it was super effective at the end. So Eric, uh, Aaron Gordon was pretty terrible those first two games. And in this game, he came out, he played really well, 18 points, 12 rebounds. He's a plus five. He was their best uh, when it came to plus minus. And, you know, we've been talking the whole time. Are we going to get the, the Jokic game? 37, 18 and five for Nikola Jokic. Just uh, th- those are those are their two. Technically, their best players, we, we talked about Will, Bar- Will Barton a little bit, didn't have as good of a game as those guys, but they needed their two top guys to come out and play well, and they did. Uh, were there any Were there any worries for you down the stretch? Did, did you think that, oh, you know, maybe this is not the Warriors' night, or were you pretty confident in their ability to come out on top here? I felt pretty good. The, the one thing I will say is obviously not having Jamal out there and not having Michael out there, it kind of – it kind of limits how much offensive freedom they have. And you could kind of tell that. I think one of the, like the shots that kind of shows that they are shorthanded was the middle of that run that puts them up five. One is early fourth, right? I think puts them up five. And you're rolling, and Jokic is getting denied the entry pass, and you got to pretty much rely on a Jeff Green fadeaway on GP2. And there's just – and, I mean, look, it's not a very good shot, but there also isn't a lot of options Yeah, um, running the options. So I wasn't too worried. I, I still feel that if you let Jokic get his, you make timely stops that – they're just. I don't think Denver has enough to compete with them right now, and I, I think it should be a sweep personally. So, a couple people watching uh, on the live stream, pop in. You have comments or questions? We'll throw them up on screen while uh, while we do this. So, uh, I I felt the same way as you when it got late. There, I thought, okay, because I I can remember. I think you guys probably remember too. There were moments in games against Houston, in games against Cleveland, where you're like, hmm. I don't know if they're going to be able to punch the gas and, and come out on top. And there were some, you know, the, some of those Houston series were pretty were pretty tough, even with KD. Same with uh, 2016. I never felt that way in this game. So that probably says to me that you know De- Denver's not not as not, you know they're not that good. They're 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 the sixth seed, but I think a lot of teams would have 
said, ah, you know, they're probably the worst team in, in the West left. Uh, we see the Pelicans being able to to play up to up to par. You know, hopefully Devin Booker gets healthy, but it sounds like he's gonna miss a couple weeks. Um, you see Minnesota playing at a high level now. They got out on a big lead today and then gave it all up. Uh, and that just show, that to me shows how good Memphis is, and just you know how it's not only like when you when you talk about players, are they ready to be at the playoff level? Coaching staffs too. Like there was a moment where they probably should have called two or three timeouts, and they didn't call any, and and kind of let that run go. But you know, you see those teams, and they're competing, and then you see this Nuggets team, and they're competing to a point. I don't, I just you know for Jokic, he just doesn't have enough firepower there to. Uh, you know, to to, he, to to have a fair fight, I guess, uh, against the Warriors. Yeah, so, so to, to, piggyback, to piggyback off of what you were going to say there is that Denver in the beginning of the game would go on these like runs and I'd be like, oh, shoot, Denver's kind of Denver's got to be winning right now. Right. And it's just like, no, Warriors are up five, Warriors yeah, are up six. Yeah. Even when it got down to the wire, like they barely had the lead for that long. So I think that just that just shows that this is like Eric said, this is this is leading. This is heading to a sweep. Um at most five, so yeah, and even then, this is honestly one of their better shooting nights. It seems like they had an answer for every run that they had. There was never a moment, even the biggest one they had was to put them up five, but it never felt like there was a moment where it was getting out of hand. There was an answer for mainly everything. I mean, the emergence of pool, you can't speak highly enough about him. The emergence of pool has completely changed the landscape of this offense um, to the point where we can have Steph come off the bench. Although I do think, do you guys think that the whole Steph off the bench experiment goes into game four? <laughs> considering how the third uh, third quarter started i i think i think it keeps going until he's off of a minute's restriction mm. I, I thought I it was going to be done by game two it's not done so i think the second round it'll be done for for sure 100 percent because they just can't afford it but they're gonna have to be creative w- with how they they put that together i think it's going to be matchup based i think th- that lineup that starting lineup could differ between Memphis or Minnesota, and then even on to the next round if they make it. You know, Phoenix. We'll, we'll see. You know, the I think I think Phoenix will still win win their first round, but you know, no Booker is tough. Uh, but I I, I do think it, it's such a embarrassment of riches in a sense because the ability to have Steph come in and it's like the Warriors are Warriors played pretty well in that first quarter. There was it was a lot of back and forth. The Nuggets played excellently on offense too, and it was like oh you know. Punch, 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 three, 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 three. The Nuggets shot 43% from three. The Warriors shot 45%. Um, but once Steph came in, you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. We, we have the best player on our team who hasn't yet come into this game. And I I mean, it, it just, it, it's like an extra, an extra gear that, that teams don't have. Now, probably means that, you know, when, when they, when they do go to the next round, they're not going to have that. And they'll have to figure out how to get that punch. Now, Jordan Poole can do that too, right? Like Jordan Poole can act like Jordan Poole and Steph could trade spots. And I think you get the same effect. Now, can Jordan Poole do that and still have the same confidence? We saw he did not like coming off the bench as much earlier in the, in the season. Steph going like, Hey dude, like, no harm, no foul here. This is cool for me. I feel like you could just flip flop those guys and get the same effect uh, that we're getting from Steph coming in, you know, as the first super sub. Yeah, it just 
do you think that do you think it works as well with JP coming off the bench? That's the only thing I'm curious about. Because yeah, he's got to buy in, right? Yeah, because there has there was that moment in the regular season right when Clay came back where he went on the bench, and you could kind of tell there was a bit of an adjustment period. Um, and he started to pick it up towards the end. But the way Steph has come off the bench and be able to perform this efficiently, I'm just kind of curious if uh, if JP can do it at the same rate. That's why, because I don't think you want to run with the small ball lineup starting. You know, with the exception of a maybe if it's a big time series like we saw in the finals, um, Curtis switched to small ball before, but I still think it's a little bit early, especially with Jokic out there. And then next round, you're going to have, yeah, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but let's just say either or you're getting Jaron Jackson, you're getting Steven Adams, or you're going to get Cat. So you're still going to have a pretty, pretty athletic scoring big man who could probably put 15 on you minimum. And, uh, you know, he's he's got to buy in for one, but I think the one thing that changes a little bit, and it's probably a small thing. But defensively with Steph, you're a little bit more secure there. You start a little bit more sharply on defense. Poole, I, I thought Poole had a couple of excellent uh, moments defensively today where I was like, oh, wow, he played that really well. He stopped a break that could have you, you know, punctuated a run for them. Uh, but if you start Steph, there is a little bit of a more of like a defensive identity, like the team, the team defense Im- improves. I don't know how much of a, singular defender uh Steph is better than than pool but the team defense is definitely better so that that is something now um but you know this is what what Draymond said right it's it's up to Kerr that that's why he he makes the big bucks all right let, let's uh let's talk a little bit more about that lineup the fast five wasn't so fast today they uh I don't think they played poorly. I think the Nuggets played pretty well. They sort of figured things out. But that's what's going to happen when you play this lineup a little bit more. Like I said, you're going to see more reps. You're going to see more film on them. You're going to see, you know, they had to they they played that one two two zone, which just got dunked on a couple times. And so now, what's interesting is it's now it's up to Kerr to figure out. We saw a little bit of Iguodala in that Wiggins spot. I thought that was interesting. They sagged off Iguodala so hard. He had like wide open by like 10 20, feet. It was like 20 feet. It was pretty yeah. bad. Three pointers and he didn't take them. So that's probably playing into their Denver's hands a little bit by Iguodala not taking those because Wiggins would have taken those, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But Brian, what did you think of this? Uh, Reggie Miller kept calling it the death line. I, I thought he was shouting us out there. But what what did you think about how they played today? I just think that it's um I think I think uh, Denver made made some good adjustments. Whether it was I thought they were a lot more physical in this game than they've been in the past couple games. I thought a couple more players just played better. Aaron Gordon being one of them, um, even though he looked a little rough in the beginning. But I I think that the uh, uh, Kerr brought it in pretty early too. Was it not in the first quarter that he tried it again again this game? Like I thought it was they, in the they first. They were in there pretty early. Yeah. They were in yeah, there pretty early. early. Because, I, yeah. See, I when I was watching it, I couldn't pick out a particular flaw that was like bad on their end. I just thought Denver was a lot better today. I think some of the size too. I think Denver slowed it down a little bit, and you saw that too. Uh Cousins went for a lot more post-ups. Jokic is able to get a bit more work in the post. I mean, this is a really good game from Jokic, too. You know, it kind of it kind of hurts your whole identity when he's dropping uh was it 37 on you 37 yeah. 14 to 22 37. um i mean he's the mvp for a reason uh but i do think 
the thing I like about the death lineup is that there's some interchangeable parts. Specifically with you see Wiggins, I think will probably be the person that's going to be in and out more than anything. But I, I do like to see you know guys like GP two get in there. I like some icky minutes in there as well. I think GP two is really big. Um, those corner threes that he hit in the first half, he had some big defensive stops. I think you could swap it a little bit more. And towards the end in the fourth, they picked it up. I mean, you had the Dre strip. You had Wiggins. Uh, nothing like describes the Wiggins experience more than like those <laughs> final like couple possessions where he bricks that wide open corner three, and you're like, "Fuck, man!" Like <laughs> you got to knock one, and then next possession comes down, knocks a corner three. Next possession, offensive rebound off the step, miss, hits at the pool, hits the layup, which almost iced it pretty much. Um, and also, Steph, like Steph did Steph did the sleep to, yeah to the, the Nuggets sleep, fans sleep time celebration. Yeah. I saw that. I'd like to see Wiggins get more shots too. He only put up six shots today as well. I think that there's more room for uh, for Wiggins to get his licks too, but it can also kind of get hard to get what you want. Maybe he has to do the the clay model of like, if I'm getting the bombs, I'm shooting no matter what. Yeah, because with the pool's emergence, there's uh, less looks to go around. If you could transform or combine Wiggins and Iguodala together, if you could create Wigadala. Like yeah. that, that, that would be the perfect player for this, for this death lineup. Cause Wiggins is going to put it up. If he's open, he's going to put it up. But Andre adds the ball handling. He adds the passing. Like he was looking for cutters who weren't even open when he threw the ball, but they were open when the ball got there. Like that's how uh, comfortable in the system that he is. And that's not something that you necessarily see Wiggins do. He's not going to make that play. They're not going to put the ball in his hands to make that play. But again, the thing that I'm most interested in is, okay, what does Kerr, what does the coaching staff take from this game to say, we, we were abusing these guys with this lineup in the first two games. They learned some stuff. They figured out some stuff. And now what do we have to do to kind of put it back on our side as far as when we put that lineup in? So that, that's going to be an interesting little chess game there. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out of market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. All right. So my last thing here, this was a battle. Now you look at the boxes, and again, 
we, we, let's read Jokic's box one more time just because it was devastating. 37 points, 18 rebounds, five assists, seven of nine from the free throw line, two of three from three, uh, five turnovers, though. So his pass, there's, there were some bad passes. He was trying to... Some I think of the he was passes. Tr- I think he was they're, trying they're to throw some, throw some guys open as well, and they just weren't on the same page as him. Uh, he probably... Had a few more than, than than three fouls, but this was a game where the fouls uh, were actually. If you look at it, the fouls were, were almost even, twenty five and twenty six. But late in the game, uh, they were getting a couple more calls than the Warriors were because of the physicality. But overall, great game on Jokic's part. And if you read Draymond's box score, six points, ten assists, five rebounds, five fouls, four turnovers. You would think, oh, you know, Jokic just absolutely outplayed him, and you know, he pro- if you look at it that way, he probably did. But late in the game, when they needed to stop, Draymond with five fouls picks his pocket in in the most important uh, most important part of the game for the Nuggets, and then they go and they, and, and they finish him off. But Bry, you know, we've seen this matchup three games in a row now. Uh, Jokic is the MVP. In game two, he wanted out of there. He did not. He he was not having uh, the time of his life there. But uh, what 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 did you think of Draymond having to, you know, the, take on what was essentially the best Jokic that we've seen so far? I I mean I think Draymond still did a good job. I, I really do feel like the game plan here is like okay, Jokic can get his, but let's 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 contain the supporting pieces there. Um, but with Jokic specifically, I know we talked about it a little bit in the chat. Was that Jokic kind of had him on some of those three three point pump fakes that yeah. like even me in my seat, I, like in the first two games, was like Draymond's like actually bothering his three point shot is because I've seen Jokic play throughout the season and it's like no one expects that three just to come and it's like behind his head so it's like hard to really like bother but i thought draymond was doing a good job bothering it obviously Jokic is probably a little off in the shot but when i was sitting here watching i was like oh my god he's about to shoot like i jumped with draymond and so (laughs) i I was off there too because draymond jumped a couple and then Jokic would get by him but uh i definitely a better game by Jokic. i know we've mentioned this box score in the past couple podcasts you always look it's always a minus today i think it was a plus three and he plays for the majority of the game. So I yeah. would say it's a pretty 38 impressive, minutes, pretty impressive night from him. So he plays 38. Aaron Gordon plays 34 uh, for, on the Warriors side. Uh, Clay played 37. The guy with the eight, the ACL injury and the Achilles tendon injury plays the most minutes for the Warriors. Draymond was second with 35 Steph, 30 minutes and 45 Ooh. seconds. So they, they, they pushed him up for sure. Um, question. You know, yeah. Do you, so a uh, Reggie mentioning it broadcast a little where he was saying that like, if this goes overtime, like technically Steph's over his minutes restriction, do you think he wouldn't have played in that overtime? Oh, I think he plays. I think okay. he plays too. I don't see yeah. that happening. Yeah. You want to give up game three. So, you know, I don't want to go fits on everybody. Like it's a, it's a bad thing to go fits on everybody, but you were jumping with Jokic Jokic is seven feet tall and Draymond is like six, five and a half. I know Draymond's got long arms. He's contesting that three, but he's not blocking that three because of how, how far Jokic, Larry, you know, Larry Bird style jumper. I get, uh, you know, why, why is he jumping there? Why isn't he just getting, you know, as close as possible to, to get inside of his body? Oh goodness! I think uh, the one thing I will say is that 
there was a bit of a contrasting comparison to game one and game two. You know, there's the crowd aspect of it constantly throughout this game. It was a one or two possession game where a three could be a big swing, a big momentum shift along with the crowd. Um, so I get it. When, when you're a bit of a tighter game, it's it's harder not to bite on that. And this yeah. is also Jokic's best shooting game as well. You know, there is a bit more of a threat there. Did he knock a three today, though? I don't know. if I think He might have knocked one or two. I, Jokic, two or three. Are you yeah. talking about Draymond or Jokic? Jokic. Uh, Jokic. I know yeah. Draymond knocked one early, but yeah, there. I feel like there was a bit more of a, a temptation there. He was on one today. I mean, if you look at the box score, this is by far this. Obviously, I don't want to speak ahead of myself. You know, crazy things have happened, but this felt like Denver's best punch. I mean, you shoot fifty percent from the field, you out rebound by fourteen, um, you shoot forty three percent or forty two percent from three. Um, fairly respect, especially in comparison to what you did. Gordon gives you eighteen. This felt like their game that they had to steal, similar to you know like. 2016 and when portland went and won game three after the the 2-0 without steph you know this was the the big game you need to go to kind of shift that momentum and uh they had an answer for it so i i get it this is the one game you don't want to give up because 3-0 it's it's a completely different you know there's not as much pressure you lose three you lose 3-0 you're going right back to chase versus you know 2-1 um but yeah i i think he still played well and even draymond's draymond's i guess his his game has never been yeah, he can lock down, and you saw that in that last possession. But it also, his value comes from setting traps on guys, sending the defense in motion, picking up on picks, picking up on um, setting the double at the right time. Like It's the smaller things that help as well. And when you do need that stop, he will get that stop, and we saw it today. That rip was clean. You know, especially with it five was very fouls clean. as well. Yeah, that, with five fouls, that's a that's a gutsy rip to go for in a tight game like that. But you know, Dre's been in those moments. This core is, this core uh, kind of showed it today, though. A lot of those clay threes are. Those are vintage clay, big game threes where you're like, no, 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 yes, 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 yes. Like the, it reminded me a lot of like the Thunder game, game six, um, especially some of those deep pulls that he had early coming off screens. Uh, but yeah, I feel good, man. I feel good. He w- he was definitely in Chuck mode, and you know yeah. one thing that he's added to his game that I feel like I know that he did it some, but I feel like since he saw the. Uh, two years ago, Steph season, no, last year, Steph season, where Steph would do the slide step, the pump fake and the slide step. I see Clay doing that a lot more this year, and it gets him that little bit more open. And when he does that, some it's, it's a little bit slower because Clay's footwork is, is, is a little bit slower. But I think that's also helping him get open because guys are still flying at him. He's still one of the best shooters in the NBA, passes Ray Allen uh, for playoff threes, only behind Steph and LeBron now, as far as all time. So, yeah, good, re- really strong game from Clay. I think, um, you know, the defense is going to be the defense for what it is right now. He's not going to be that lockdown guy. They're not asking him to do that. He's actually guarding bigger guys, and that that's just kind of what you have to deal with. But offensively, you know, today he looked like regular Clay as we've always known him, going back a few years. It felt like a vintage Clay game in the way of like. Katie would get like 30, Steph would get his 30 or whatever. And then you kind of be like, what, what was Clay doing? And he checks the box score and it's like 24 points over 50% shooting. And it just kind of quietly happened throughout the game. He, he's, he fits that niche extremely well. I think like better than anyone else in the NBA. All right. So we talked about this in the first two games as well. The unanswerable question is, is around injuries. Warriors are an older team. Andre misses game two. He's got the neck problem. He goes and gets what uh, acupuncture? Is that what they said that he got? Was acupuncture? Yeah. And then the, the sideline reporter was like, "Oh, it's 
the third 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 through fifth best thing I've ever done in my life or something like that. It's like third through I thought fifth. they were doing like a mid-game advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> and then Reggie's like, I want to know what one, two, and three is if it's fifth, if it's your fifth favorite thing of all time. Um and and so Andre, you know, he is He's a little bit older. He's thirty-eight. I, I saw that surprised me when I when I realized he was thirty-eight. I was like, "Wow!" Uh, I, I guess I for whatever reason I just I always assume that he's like in his like early thirties or whatever. But uh, thirty-eight <laughs> uh, in this game, you had Jordan Poole go down. Uh, he banged his arm on on the floor. Part of the game of him being you know somebody who goes to the hole really hard. Uh, Draymond turns an ankle. Late there in the fourth, uh, I guess it was mid fourth, and I was kind of like, uh oh, because you know, with him, the lower half, the calf, which which kind of kicked off the, these injuries for him, I, I got a little worried there. But ahead three zero, I think they're going to go for the kill because you go for the kill, you hope Minnesota can get one more at least, and you got a nice little three or four day break there. And you can try and rest up. You can try to rest these guys. I don't imagine the the pool arm thing is going to go away very quickly. Uh, Andre could have, you know, reoccurrence of of neck spasms or just back spasms, whatever whatever that's related to. Uh, and you know, a, an ankle tweak. Everyone's had an ankle tweak who's ever played basketball. It's not like that just disappears when you wake up the next morning. So I think they go for the kill. They want to end game four. They don't want to play any more games so that they can take that rest so whatever that means if that means Steph getting a couple more minutes uh if that means them going more to this fast five lineup because they think it's going to work I I think they are going to go for that kill shot so that they can get out of there uh, as soon as they can um all right so uh little comment from uh from Robert Denver threw their best counter and it still wasn't enough Warriors are going to sweep from uh your Mouth to God's ears there, Robert. We want to see that happen. Uh, okay, so uh, that's kind of it from the analysis piece. Was there anything else that you guys saw that you wanted to mention that I didn't bring up? I have a question. One question. Why is Belly getting minutes over Kuminga? I do not get it. <laughs> I, I do not get it at all. Like I It's just, what I he just... brings. I'm conv- It's just like I think it's his ability to be able to stretch the floor and then Kerr is just in love with him knowing how to pass the basketball does does he stretch the four though i get you know the early the early season success that belly had you know with the he was shooting really well and then obviously things tailored off in the end and i don't want to and i don't think it's it's a valid thing to say oh for the defensive purposes maybe bielitz has an inch on him he's more of a prototypical four when you consider how easily demarcus is getting what he wants in the paint when he was up against him how easily uh, Jokic is getting in the paint against him i think at least with kuminga you have explosiveness on the offensive rebounding side of things. He's willing to shoot the three, which I think you could kind of say is a fault for Belly because he he often looks hesitant to pull, especially, you know, it's been a, kind of a trend ever since maybe the last three-fourths of the season. I, I don't get it. I know he's a rookie, um, but it's not like Belly was a part of that playoff core who was, who's been through those battles and has had those big moments. I, he had a decent game too, but clearly you could kind of tell this game that things weren't going very well. Uh, and he was he was struggling on both sides. I'm not sure what you guys think though. I think it's a couple of things. One, he's got two inches and about 10 to 15 pounds on Kaminga. So it is, you know, putting him in a position where if he doesn't succeed, he's a vet 
He's going to be fine. He's not going to put his head down. If Kaminga in that moment doesn't succeed, it could affect a, a few different things, right? So it's the whole veteran rookie thing. But I agree with you. I think Kaminga, I think I thought they should have found a way to play him a little bit, like in like a two or three minute spurt when it looked like the Warriors were a little bit tired there. Kerr stayed with the plan. We got to see some auto auto Porter miss threes out of it, but Porter's there and has the highest plus minus on the team uh, because of the rebounding and because he's a smart player. The other thing now, he, now I, I don't know if they would even say this, but as a fan, I'm watching it. I'm going like, okay, what is the thing that I can live with in this game at this moment? It's the boogie five dribbles, turn left shoulder, turn right shoulder, half of a hook. I can live with that because we know uh, we would rather have them stay, you know, allow Boogie to, to, to suck up some time, suck up some shots, rather than get their shooters going, right? He's not going to do that. Jokic will do that. Jokic will see the doubles. Boogie's not going to see the doubles and, and make that pass as much as Jokic will. Boogie wants to get his. So I think there's a little bit of like, if we if we let if we play boogie in this way, then he's going to be uh, single minded. He's going to want to score, and we know from watching boogie uh, four years ago, three years ago, that that is not always the best thing for the offense. That might be the best thing for boogie because he likes to get involved, but it may also be a little ball stopperish. So I think there's something there. I don't know if they would admit that because uh, you know you don't want to it's sort of a, a, a subtle diss at, at Bielitsa at the same time. But I just think because he's just a big guy, he holds his ground, and he's a, he's a vet about it. Do you have any thoughts, Bri? Um, From just like the playing perspective, I get the whole rookie mentality thing. I do think that, yeah, Kaminga's had a couple games where he'll go on a quick bad stretch, and then Kerr takes him out. Sometimes it could be due to rotation, but I feel like if you're a young guy like that, you're like, oh, he's pulling me because I'm bad. I did bad, head down a little bit. Um, but I, I was like, I was, oh, you guys, you guys know me. I'm so big on the coming a train. Like I want to see him in almost every single, I think we all are right. Like we yeah, all yeah, are, yeah. But like, I'm like, not to say I'm more of a Kaminga guy, but I just feel like I'm like, okay, let's try this with Kaminga. Let's put him on Giannis versus the bucks. Let's see what happens here. I, I was like, Kaminga looks like the most like physically to me, the most physically intimidating probably like physically intimidating guy on the Warriors. I think his build, he just looks, he's huge as like, he's pretty ripped. And I was like, okay, he could probably bang with some of the bigs there, but I feel like some of those like powerful bigs who are like, even like boogie who just will use his lower body strength to the end of time. And, uh, and he just bumps with you. I feel like he would have still gotten the best of coming. I don't think it would have been that much of a defensive. Uh, I don't think, I don't think boogie stats would have changed and that's fine. Boogie nine minutes, nine points. I don't think anything that doesn't really shift the game. So to add what you said, if they put Kaminga in that role, does Malone go, oh, shoot, we got to go small because Boogie can't guard Kaminga on the other side. I and think then that's they more, that helps the Warriors, though, because if you put in Aaron Gordon at the five, that's your small. Is that what you're considering there? Aaron well, Gordon at the five? Uh, uh, I'm, I don't I'd, I'd have to look at their roster, but probably something like that. And maybe to Kerr, he's like, well, that speeds up the game. It makes it more it makes it less uh, predictable, I guess, for, for them. They could go on a, a shooting streak, and we don't want that to happen. We want them to stay in this, like, really, like, you know, uh, time-sucking offense for where, where we possibly are going to make two uh, threes, and they're only going to make twos. That's a good point. Yeah, I will say, I think, uh, obviously, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. You know, let's close the series out. But I do think that 
Kuminga minutes make a lot more sense next round, especially because regardless if you get Minnesota or you get Memphis, there's a lot of young athletic stretch fours on both those rosters, guys like Beasley. Um, and then you have who is ah, who's the guy on Memphis? Uh, 15 we, power forward. We're getting stumped on uh, Brandon Clark yeah. for both podcasts. Brandon Clark, yes. San Jose State. Go. Come on, I should know. Spartan, Spartan up, baby. baby. Yeah, Brandon Clark. There's a lot more of a, I guess, typical like modern stretch fours that Kuminga would probably fit in well because I don't think Bielitsa will match up quite as well in those matchups. So hopefully we do see some Kuminga minutes because I want to see it. By the way, you're also a Spartan, right? Uh, yeah, actually I am. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you remember who were who were some Spartans that you can remember who were like good players? Not a single one. To oh, be completely man. honest, I never. We weren't very good when I went there. I mean, obviously, Brandon Clark was there. I think my freshman year, I think like 2017 or whatever. But I was not. I was not checking out San Jose State's uh, basketball team. One of these days, we're gonna we're gonna become a contender. We'll knock out Kentucky out of the bracket. But uh, fortunately, my era wasn't the one to get that. Was there okay. good athletes in your era? So, um, are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so so uh gosh, it would have been my junior year, maybe. We win the I think it was before it was the Mountain West. I think we we're in like the Big West, or it was like some different conference. We win that conference tournament to go to the NCAAs, and we have to play. I want to say it was Antoine Walker's Kentucky Wildcats team in the first round. I think I've heard oh, this man. story. And they, yeah, the, the, um, the, the main, the best player on their team was a guy by the name of Olivier St. Jean. He became Tariq Abdul-Wahed in the NBA. Uh, when I was, so, so, uh, actually, uh, a friend of, a friend of mine who's watching, I, this is what I was going to mention as well. Uh, Mark, Mark Nabita mentioned Ricky Barry. And I was and I was going to mention that name too because Ricky Barry, uh, I think he was drafted by the Sacramento Kings in like the late mid to late '80s. He was like a top ten pick or something. But him and Olivier Saint John, Tariq Abdul Wahed, also drafted by Sacramento Kings, uh, they would be like the two best players of the last forty years to to play at San Jose State because they Man. both got drafted in the NBA. I, wow. was at oh, U of yeah. a, I was at U of A for four years, and my five sweeps your five. <laughs> I only got two. <laughs> your your five is like, my two. DeAndre Ayton, right? like Josh Green, Zeke Naji, Nico Mannion, Ben Matherin, Christian Coloco, uh, Alonzo Trier, who needs to find his way back in the league. Ricky Barry's um, better than Nico Mannion. 18th overall yeah, yeah. pick, 1988. Yeah, yeah. to the Kings. Yeah, I think he was... He he was also on that Olympic team in '88 as well, uh, the the Olympic team that became the infamous Olympic team because they lost to Soviet Union, and then the Dream Team comes in the next mm -hmm. year in '92. And uh, just to clarify, I'm just talking about the people who went there when I was there. Obviously, I would name Iguodala or just you know Warriors Steve fans. Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr, yeah, Aaron Gordon. Oh, <laughs> was Aaron Gordon Arizona? Yeah. yeah. Number two pick. Uh, was he in the number two pick? What year was he? No, no. He was like the number five or four. Oh, it was five. it was the Wiggins draft, I believe. Oh, okay. All right. So uh last uh last couple things here before we talk about what's going on in some of these other playoff games. Uh we had another pool party tonight. <laughs> he yeah. he 
in, in three games, let me see. Uh, Slater had Slater had the number of uh, of his 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 game scoring for the first three games. It was uh, first game was gosh. All of a sudden, I can't now. I can't find it. Come on, Slater. Oh, first game, thirty points, nine of thirteen from the field. Second game, twenty nine points, ten of sixteen from the field. And this was almost a little. I didn't realize he played this well offensively. Nine of 13 shooting, 27 points. 86 points on 42 shots becomes only the 16th player ever to score 25 points or more in his first three playoff games, including three of five from three-point land, which tells me that he needs to shoot more of them because he's he's been so excellent at them but yeah jordan Poole, what what an amazing first three games and and i thought this this game i thought they were like okay what can we do to kind of slow him down well let's be a little bit more physical let's put him in some of these harder screens let's attack him a little bit more let's you know push him around and he he played through it he fought back he came back from injury excellent game from jordan Poole. Are you guys uh, are you guys bought in uh, uh, on him this playoff season? Is he is he going to continue to play this well, um, or do you think that some of the stuff that he does that they, they can actually scheme around it, Bry? Um, I think I think the Suns would be the would be the matchup that I think, and maybe Memphis a little bit. Oh, maybe not. It's, I, I don't, I don't know. I've, as much. Yeah, more Suns because, yeah, definitely more Phoenix. But I've been bought in on Jordan Poole for so long. And that's probably to a detriment a little in the beginning when I'm when this kid's like the worst rookie of all time. <laughs> but I was I've been so high on Jordan Poole. Like it. I told you in a text chat, like my roommate went to high school with him. So like that, that's always something cool that I was like, oh, he's on the Warriors now. And I'd always like tell him what Jordan Poole was doing. Um but yeah, I, I think the thing that specifically sticks out to me about these nights, which I don't think will be replicated in future series, but it's just the efficiency is insane. Yeah. Nine for 13. That's well over 50. 10 for, for 16, well over 50. Nine for 13, well over 50. That's ridiculous. Like if we're talking about Slater's tweet becomes only the sixth, 16th player ever to score 25 plus in first three playoff games. What's the record on the efficiency he's doing it at? Like it's probably wilt efficiency, honestly. Like it's just, it's just it's just ridiculous. Like it's just it's insane. So I was looking at Phoenix's lineup. Uh, so they're gonna throw Bridges out there, and if if Booker's healthy, Booker and Paul, Cam Johnson, that that that's four wings who you could throw at the Warriors guys. But I don't know. He's he's so slippery. I feel like he's going to give, uh, unless, you know, those guys can play a little bit more physical with him. I feel like he's going to be able to have the opportunity to do what he does best, even against a team as good as Phoenix, just because, you know, there's three of them out there. There's there's mm-hmm. him and there's Steph and there's Clay, and you can only guard, you know, one or two of those guys at once and somebody's going to slip open, especially the way that the Warriors were passing. Now, Draymond's, you know, overpassing a little bit here and there, but I think he's going to, he has the opportunity to continue to to play this way uh, as long as he, now there, there's a part of this where I'm a little bit worried in that we, you guys probably don't remember this as, as well, but uh, there was a, a, a series 2014 against the Clippers 
and the they were, the Clippers were playing so physical that a lot of the Warriors were kind of shying away from the moment. Now, Steph, Steph was like killing himself to to beat this team, and unfortunately, you know, Clippers win in seven. But Kobe if got you hurt. if you if you get a game, yes, exactly. If you get a game or a series where the physicality is just uh, is just a, a little bit much, I could see how that could affect pool a little bit, but the guy's great in space. Uh, I, in the back of my mind, every time I see Draymond come to set a screen and then pool goes the wrong way, I'm like, uh Oh, he's going to get yelled at. But Draymond seems to be, you know, to think, okay, like I'm going to let this guy do his thing. Cause he's making the right decisions here. So uh, I, I I'm with you guys uh, as far as, as him. I, I want to see, I kind of just want to see what happens when they kind of lock him a little bit and they, they do hook, like you saw the Jeff green, hooking him on that screen he gets called for the foul but you know there's stuff like that that's going to happen over some of the uh, over the next series is i want to see how he plays through that stuff before before we go i just want to say that steph was fouled by cp3 it was a game five (laughs) he got shoved on he got murdered on that top of the key three i think that was at oracle wasn't it i I don't remember i i've i've got i was able to ask andre a question about that series I made it about the the Donald Sterling thing, so I didn't I didn't get to talk to him about basketball. But I should have asked him how close were they really to winning that series? Because man, that, that series just seemed so back and forth, back and forth. What what a, what a great series that was, even though they lost. All right, Brian, I think this one's going to be pretty easy here. <laughs> it is. Do we got music this time? The Kaminga watch. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so today's Kaminga watch, I'm not even going to have to pull up a box score because it was a good little DMP. He oh man. The Warriors weren't winning enough for him to go in for the, for the, the trash minutes. And he wasn't used when I thought they could use him. And I'm going to say that every game, I feel like he could, he could be of use. So this Kaminga watch, I just allow me to speak for five minutes straight without anyone interrupting me when he finally gets a minute there. Steve Kerr's ruining our bit is what it is. That's exactly what it is. I mean, we we had it. We had an idea. We had a bit about Kaminga. He's gonna gonna be that little spark plug, and Steve Kerr's like, no, you you, you guys, it's not gonna happen. Uh, but the next two series, is, I agree with both of you. He's gonna he's gonna play how he plays and the spots that he plays in. Uh, I think I think that's that's gonna be sort of a wait and see because. Kerr historically has been like, okay, here's your chance. Oh my gosh, we're a minus six when you're on the court. Uh, <laughs> see you in four games, right? Like, kind of how. And this also helps, like him getting playoff minutes in high intensity games. If they want to do this whole little Spurs thing where they bridge the the present to the future, like these are these are like important things for him to be placed into. Now I get we're trying to win the whole thing, but I still think that he. I don't think he would. Uh, I don't think he would screw it as much as maybe Steve and is thinking he might. Well, early before this playoff started, people were saying, "Is Kaminga going to be the Kawhi Leonard of the Dude, finals?" We, we said it on our podcast too. Like I think right when that, I think it was maybe around Christmas time or a little earlier when this kids started doing the Kaminga things we saw all year with these poster dunks. I think Alex was actually the one to say it on our podcast. He was like, this kind of reminds me of like, and I know it didn't, it's not going to end up happening, but this kind of reminds me of, of that, that Kawhi series. I believe it was like 2014 when Kawhi won the finals MVP. Obviously Kaminga's not winning the finals MVP, but like that kind of impact where it's like, Oh, we have this rookie that we could 
just that that and and Kaminga has that like two way factor to him too. But actually, Kevin O'Connor tweeted out that he thought Jordan Poole was that. Yeah, today. that that that's kind of what I was getting to. Was yeah. Now people are saying it's Jordan Poole instead of Kaminga, which is and they're right. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's cool to think about, right? If Jordan yeah. Poole can affect a series the the way that young Kawhi did. Uh, okay, now let, we're done talking Warriors. Let's let's just kind of. Uh, th- there was some stuff happening in the NBA today, and we'll look ahead to tomorrow's games. But uh, moving around the NBA segment, let's see. Can we get some NBA more sexy music here? <laughs> it's not sexy enough. Uh, you, you don't like that? You don't? This guy was just bombing today. He's like bringing <laughs> bringing the Grizzlies back. He he was the best player on the floor I think, today. If anything, it's gonna be Jalen Brunson. Uh, ben said it in the last pod. Yeah. He's like, "How is how is Jalen Brunson uh, yeah. doing this to these teams?" I, I will push back a little because I I wanted to push back on that podcast, but I just forgot to chime in. Jalen Brunson is nice. There's there's a couple um, users on TikTok that will like break down some of his like uh, some just break down players like nasty moves. Like Jalen Brunson has some moves he's really good with his pivot foot he's just like really patient too Jalen Brunson's not I think he had another 31 tonight like he, he's he's a good player and he's gonna get paid this off yeah might paid be playing himself out of uh out of uh Dallas though he might be making oh, yeah. he might be making Probably. too much when he goes into free agency so Dallas as a team uh Br- Brunson was really the only buddy the only guy who who wasn't making any threes Kleber goes four of five. Josh Green, three of five. Davis Bertons, four of seven. Jeez. That's uh, like the only thing he has to do. As a, that's the, the only shots he took. He he, he yeah. went to the free throw line three times, but the only shots he took were three-pointers. They go 18 of 42 from three-point line. And, you know, Jace, Jason Kidd, who my favorite college basketball player of all time, Jason Kidd, he said the other day, he's like, uh, we, we, we're making three-pointers. They're making two pointers. It's just mathematics. <laughs> Who says mathematics over math? Jason Kidd says mathematics. Over math. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll uh, as we're talking. Uh, I'll see if I can find the photo of me and me and Jake Kidd. Um, I met him once. Uh, he came to my office. My buddy Prakash it brought him in. Uh, they they both are Cal guys, and uh, he came over and I I made sure you know. I had to shake his hand. I had to say, what's up? Cause I go, I go back when he was in high school, I was, I was following his career. And so we have this little hoop uh, on in, in the office. It's like one of those little play toy hoops. And I was like, Hey, you know, I just want to get a picture with you. And he's like, all right. He's like, how about you get the ball and you just come and you're just like, pretend like you're dunking on me. I was like, no, I'll take a picture. Like I just want to like, Take a homie picture with you. So <laughs> cool, cool guy. He's very, very, very chill guy. But uh, yeah, Jason, mathematics kid here. Uh, but you, you know, Dallas, and then they're supposed to get Luca back next week or next game. I think next right game. Yeah, yeah, yeah next, next game. game. Um, I, I it, it, it's crazy to see the way that they are able to. Just spread these guys out. You know, Utah is the ultimate, 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 ultimate regular season team. Nobody wants to see them in the playoffs because of disappointment. This is just a perfect opportunity for Dallas. Now, Luka comes back. The offense changes a little bit. It's completely run through him. The usage of, of one Luka goes way up. 
he's got to he's got to be able to 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 get Brunson his his stuff too because Brunson is hot. So that'll be an interesting thing to see. But uh, yeah, Dallas takes takes control and uh, they are ahead two to one uh, real in quick the series. Though. There's a disaster class going on in Utah right now. Like these last couple of months, do you think they blow that all up? Yes, one hundred percent. Let me here. This is what I want to. I want to puff my chest a little bit because this is what we've been saying on the Bam Basketball Pod. Shameless. By the way, I, I called it the bad because uh, I think my, you just uh, brain farted, man. No, no, no. So here's what happened. <laughs> so I had the YouTube stream open, and I started this show. And the YouTube stream is about 10 seconds behind us doing this. And so it just started playing randomly in the background. I was like, oh, my God, where's that noise? And then I went to click and I clicked the uh, YouTube video off. But then I looked at you and I said, the bad, because that's what you are. <laughs> so, I, yeah, that's how I screwed up. Uh, ben Cruz comes on the podcast and gets the ultimate intro. And Eric's first time on the pod, he gets the bad. The bad. Instead look, of the look, man. No, the bad co-host. Look, <laughs> Ben works for the Ringer. Okay, <laughs> if Eric gets a job at the Athletic doing podcasts and running their whole podcast department, the next time he comes on this show, it's like the red carpet. Like we're just like I'm gonna figure out how to put a red carpet on the screen, and we're gonna play in like, due time, man. In due time, in, it's yeah, gonna be I, Eric make works that up. for the Bam instead, and then that's how we'll <laughs> yeah. do. That's how we the Ringer. But anyways, okay, back to this Utah-Dallas series. Yes. The reason I'm pump, puffing my chest a little bit is because I think we've been calling this on the basketball podcast for a while now. Utah has a serious problem, and why they are a regular season team is because if you look at their perimeter defense, who is their best perimeter defender? He either plays three or the four, and it's Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal mm -hmm. is 6'4", and he's not even that good of a de perimeter defender, in my opinion. Royce Donovan Mitchell nine, has the athletic capabilities to be a good defender. He has a super long wingspan, but he's just really not good on defense. If Donovan Mitchell truly bought in and just went into the offseason and like tried to just up his defensive game, like I feel like he should want to be at where Anthony Edwards is already as a defender. Like this year, you're going Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, really bad defenders. Royce O'Neal, I guess you could say average. I'm going under average. And then Bogdanovich, bad perimeter defender. And what happens is that they the, Utah, when they're playing defense, they try to put um, Gobert on whoever's on the corner most likely. And so what happens is that Dallas or whoever Utah has played in the playoffs, they will just take them off the dribble and beat them. And Gobert likes to sink in because he wants to defend the rim because his guys can't defend the perimeter. It's not that Gobert is a bad perimeter defender. I feel like we see a lot of highlights on Bleacher Report of, oh my God, Gobert just got dunked on by Terrence Mann last year in the playoffs. Today it was Dinwiddie. It's not that. It is that Gobert is just... His, his supporting cast on defense is so, so, so awful. And it's it's it's, it's, it's tremendous to, to Dallas, to what they're doing, but I called it. I think even when you and Obi on the first podcast, it was like, uh, I think we're going to take Utah because they went up 1-0. Went up I was like, Utah's the biggest sell job in the NBA, man. They'll just completely blow leads. Like, there's no way they win this series. There's still I've, a chance they do, but because I think when Luka comes back, there could be a little bit of like a, like a Jalen Brunson, I'm just speculating here, but what if Jalen Brunson's like taking a couple of Luka shots now that he's dropping 41 and 31? Maybe it doesn't sink as well for one game back. Dallas is still winning the series. And I want to get this on record because it's going to sound like an absurd take, but I've been texting it in a group chat and I just want to make sure this is on a podcast in the 1% chance this happens. Let's say Phoenix either loses to the Warriors or let's like worst case scenario to me, they go to the finals and they lose to the Bucks again, maybe, or we we might get into the Bucks in a, Celtics, in a little Celtics. bit here. Celtics, even, 
And let I mean, you're you have you have CP3, who is an aging CP3, could be on his way out. This is the window for them to do it. Booker's at playing at an all-time high. Mikael Bridges almost just one defense player of the year. Where do you look to change things? Do you just run it back again for the third year in a row? That's definitely an option. But what if you say, okay, sign and trade, go bear, come to come to come to Phoenix, DeAndre and something, or go bear and something. DeAndre goes to Utah. For Utah, it resets their timeline just a little bit. For Phoenix, it pushes their timeline to even more win now. And I think Chris Paul has been able to make guys like Bismack Biombo look like a starting five in this in this age of of the NBA. Gobert is not the best on offense, but imagine what Chris Paul can can he could just be a lob threat. And I just think that it makes sense. Although I could see where the criticism could be towards that is because DeAndre Ayton is going to be a future All Star. But I just think that the the window for now you can't just keep running it back. In my opinion, there's gotta be a change. I don't know. I don't think that's the supporting cast. I think it might end up being a starter. And I think Mikel Bridges, you just paid him. I don't see why you would do it with there. Devin Booker is one of the best players, 10 top 15 best players in the NBA. Chris Paul is still playing really well. I think it could be an Aiton move. That well, is my opinion. To, to back your point up, their perimeter is Mitchell six, one Conley six, one, Royce O'Neal, 6'5". And then who's their super sub? 6'5 is generous. Their super sub is Jordan Clarkson, who doesn't play any defense whatsoever. Yeah. So there is a lot of responsibility for Gobert to kind of fix a lot of stuff that is uh, is not working correctly for that team. And he probably does get a lot of unnecessary flack, but also it's because his personality is kind of weird. And yeah, those yeah. guys, you can tell those NBA players don't like him at all for whatever reason. Draymond. Uh, <laughs> Draymond. But he's, he's also, the, he's, a, he's also years. the last pick. He's the last pick in the all-star game. Not this yeah. year. Thanks to James Harden. <laughs> if he wasn't the last pick this, if he was the last pick, what have I been like three years in a row, four years in a row? Like since they adopted and, the, the draft format, that he's the last yeah. pick. and before that he was crying. Cause he didn't make it. Oh, it's just, yeah, yeah. Rough, but imagine rough, rough Gobert spot. with that Suns supporting cast, or just that Suns perimeter defense. Like you have so much the most confidence in the world. Because in my opinion, I think when KD came to the Warriors, he was already a pretty good defender. He had the body type and he had the instincts to do it. But I think him being able to rely on Draymond behind him, Clay in front of him, I think that was easier for him to be like, okay, I could really like depend on these guys. My defense game, my defensive game is gonna go up. You could say the same thing for Wiggins. We didn't really hear much about two way Wiggs until he got to the Warriors, and then he had Draymond behind him. So I just think that. When you put someone of Gobert's caliber defensively on a team that is really good perimeter centric, uh, their defense, it could even get better. That's just I just wanted to get I, that on paper. I will say though, I feel like the world is a bit the media at least is a bit on a Rudy Gobert national apology tour, considering how the series is going. I'm seeing a lot more uh, Rudy wasn't the problem rhetoric. Than I used <laughs> I'm just so glad that we said this so early. It's because you're right. Yeah, everyone's starting to realize it. Yeah, because Rudy gets a hard time because there's always clips of him being out. Like you said, most of the clips that Rudy gets clowned on are him either getting dunked on or getting exposed out on the perimeter, ignoring the context behind it. The one thing I will say is if your center doesn't get dunked on, he doesn't try to go up and protect the rim. A conventional center, any any prototypical rim rim protector, in that, which is a dying breed in all honesty, but that type of center is going to get dunked on. Even the, the best centers of the 90s got dunked on, but Tumbo got dunked on. All these guys who are renowned known for their rim protection gonna get ducked on and that even like the you know the steph clip what was that 2017 
where he did, he did the 360. Yeah, yeah I know what you're the talking Steph about. Steph clip. Um, I mean, like, it's easy to clown on him, defensive player of the year, but his his effect really does come at the rim. That's where his value is. He completely changes the um, the driving kick, the inside game. Whenever he's there, you know, people are are hesitant to go in at him, even though I I maybe. We all, even especially Warrior fans, like to give him a give him grief every once in a while because it feels like he might have stole a, a defensive player of the year from Draymond. He is valuable, and yeah, I think uh, with a better with a better team, he could probably uh, get more of his due. But regardless, I think Utah's getting blown up, so I, I have no yeah, idea where he's going to end up. But I think next year will be interesting. We'll see. Oh yeah. Uh, the other thing about him is how do the, how how do the Warriors play him? Well, they just go small and they try to take him off the court, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. that's the switch that uh, a lot of teams are going to do to him. And it's not his fault because he is a shot blocking back, you know, back to the basket center. But if you are looking at it from the Utah perspective, who's more valuable? Is it Mitchell or is it Gobert? Cause that that's going to be the choice that they have to make. Who's the guy that we back. And it's a very guard dominant. League, oh yeah. Right. That's why I think Gobert's on the way out. So, all right, just, uh, just quickly. Memphis, they uh, they they come back and uh, beat the Timberwolves. Can the Timberwolves come back from such a devastating loss here? You made fun of my Desmond Bain photo there, but he has 26, 7 of 15 from three. They come all the way back. Oh, somebody's boy, Cat. Eight <laughs> points, five rebounds in 32 minutes. He's in foul trouble again. Uh, and uh, and D'Angelo Russell, 9 of 21. Brian, are you wearing your D'Angelo Russell jersey? What's going on? <laughs> that's, uh, a, that's a rough, 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 rough moments for uh, for the Timberwolves. There. I don't know how they come back from that. Uh, you know, they're a young team, so the whole aspect of how does, you know, how, how does the team come back? I, who's the vet to go, okay, guys, here's what we do in this scenario. It's Bev, and that's Bev and Greg Monroe. But, Okay, but but Bev, how does Bev know what what to do in this scenario? Bev's not a lead dog, right? He's not a guy who's like, uh, you know, you guys calm down. I'll I'll put you on my back. He's more of a, a like a, a hard nosed grinder type of player. And those guys, you know, they they can lead by example, but they're not going to necessarily lead by uh, you know being that vocal person in the room. I, I've seen Pat Bev, Pat Beverly. Uh, on interviews and stuff, you know, he's, he's not going to be win the most inspirational speech uh, of the year or anything. <laughs> so uh, t- to me, it's Cat, but Cat doesn't really have a leg to stand on because of how poorly he played tonight. So I don't, I don't know where that's going to come from for them. I think he struggled ever since they swapped. They gave Adams less minutes and a lot more Jaron Jackson. It, you could definitely see the struggle there. Comp- and especially Adams didn't even play tonight. Yeah, did not play one to game one because game one he looked like a monster. Um, I, I think it's a it's a young core, you know. It's a it's a I guess a gut check moment, especially you blew two twenty five point leads. And in all honesty, there there's a lot of blame to go around. I don't know uh, the the logic behind not taking a timeout in a twenty one zero run makes no sense to me. I am still puzzled just thinking about it now. There was a lot of bad shots, a lot of pull up threes trying to like kind of quell the run that didn't make sense. D'Lo had some bad shots, and had some bad shots. But yeah, I mean, like you said, sure, Pat Bev isn't the isn't the star player. He's not the one who's going to get you out of uh, these situations. It has to be Ant. It has to be D'Lo. It has to be Cat. But if this uh, if this core is really good enough, they can get there. I think the one thing they have shown, though, is they could score on this team. They could play with this team. 
it's just uh, some of the shot selection. There's a lot of lapses on defense as well, giving up corner threes, falling asleep on guys when they're rotating, little things like that. Like, I do think that this game can still go seven. Um, I don't think, I don't want to say Minnesota's dead in the water yet. I think they've matched up well. Even game two, obviously, they got blown out. But for the first half there, it was a really competitive game. Just things kind of got out of hand. No, I'm over it. Memphis is getting them in like five. (laughs) You got them in five? You're giving up? I, I mean, the thing is, I I called Memphis winning in five or six, so I think it's going to stay like that. I think it, yeah, like you said with the Bev stuff. I mean, if you look at the starting lineup with Vanderbilt, like Bev has the most playoff experience there. Like the game literally just popped up again, so I'm getting to see who was matched up against who. And one of the big uh, points going into the series was, in fact, that Cat goes off against Stephen Adams. They had Stephen Adams in in the first game. It sounds like he wasn't in there for the second game and then he, i don't see him here for the third game and cat just gets limited because jaron jackson jr is also one of the best defenders in the league in my opinion he so put up four shots too that's just that's it's ridiculous yeah cat's player. about to make There's a third no team yeah cat's gonna make a third team all nba and is completely like imploding in the in in the biggest stage i'm not giving the, up for the minnesota timberwolves i um, publicly declare i got minnesota winning game four in minnesota i want to believe all right they, I they need that, it they, put that on record they definitely need it, and uh, if you look at the other side, Ja doesn't have a – he has a really bad shooting game, actually, but uh, does other stuff, gets a triple-double, uh, and San Jose State's own Brandon Clark, second-leading <laughs> scorer in the game behind Desmond Bain. He was – yeah, he was really points. good today. Offensive like rebounds. He, he played 29 minutes. Uh, if you're kind of keeping an eye on this kind of stuff, uh, Bain and Ja – they have to play 40 minutes to uh, to bring this team back. Jaron Jackson only played 21 minutes, but he also got in foul trouble. So they just they just kind of stayed uh, stayed long and uh, Adams no minutes at all. And then on the other side uh, for yeah. Minnesota, um, just uh, yeah, they they just gotta they they have to sort of <laughs> and you look basketball is like you know a four quarter game, right? It's kind of silly to to think of it in that way, but you know when you win three out of the quarters and you're like oh we're we're home you know we're, we're home there where we got it no it's a four quarter game man you gotta play throughout and to bring it back into some some warriors here it's because this is one of the two teams we're going to be seeing in the next round what i've noticed and honestly what we've all noticed the whole year memphis grizzlies are really good in transition i think they rank first in like probably points off of transit or points off of turnovers and just like their transition uh fast break uh offense is just really good um, and, and the question was when they were going into the playoffs is that, okay, well, teams will be able to limit their turnovers. They could, it'll be more half court than it is fast break in the playoffs. Cause it's just a different, it's a different entire game essentially. But what I did notice is that uh, if Ja gets a full head of steam, he is so hard to stop. So I just wonder how quickly a Gary Payton might come in as the six man for the Warriors in this, if they do end up playing against the, the Grizzlies, because we saw that Gary Payton is the best jaw defender on the Warriors probably by far. So it, they actually played him pretty well. Cat had a couple stops in the fast break, uh, avoiding the foul going up with them. I, yeah, that's that's the frustrating thing about this game. And I'm not even a Timberwolves fan. It's just frustrating from the outside looking in. It's like, I feel like Minnesota did a lot of good things this game. But just, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. You're, you're not guarding the perimeter very well and you, you give up those runs. And I still, I just, I keep reiterating it but i just don't understand not calling a timeout on a 21-0 run especially with the team that young i just don't get he's it. gonna yeah he's gonna continue to hear that um yeah i know that we're we're, we're probably coming to a close here soon but i yep. think that the important series now which which wasn't important 
I still think the Bucks get it, but Chris Middleton's out for three to four weeks now. You might yep. want to keep an eye on um, Bucks versus Bulls because DeMar DeRozan has had a really, really good game. And, and I think he has always been known for potentially not showing up in the playoffs. So I feel like that was a big game for him. Um, also, Booker, I think we already mentioned it here, down for two weeks. Do I think the Pelicans actually win this? No. Do I think if Zion comes back, they actually have a have a good shot? I think so. But um, is Zion coming back? Do you think Zion no, comes back? No, though? I don't think yeah, Zion comes back. Say. I've heard absolutely nothing regarding Zion. What's a couple other series? Mavs and Utah. Okay, so so let, we'll talk about this real quick. Okay. Tomorrow, uh, we have Miami and the Hawks. Hawks trying to take one or take the first game uh, at home. And then we have, you mentioned Bucks Bulls. That's actually an ABC game. We get a Friday night ABC game. Let's go. Uh, at, what is it? Uh, are they, I'm trying to Probably look. Probably a 5.30 game. Are, yeah. Or, I, I, I can't, I'm not, the, the schedule I'm looking at doesn't have times. And then, uh, no, no, it does. So uh, Miami is at 4 Pacific. Uh, Bucks are at 5.30 Pacific. And then the Suns late Pelicans. game is Pelicans and Suns at 6.30 on ESPN. They keep giving them that late game, uh, Pelicans and Suns. Well, both West Coast teams, right? What's Pelicans time zone? Mm, I, think Pel- East, I think East Coast, East Coast, right? Coast. Yeah, New yeah. Orleans oh, is East wow. Coast, I think. My bad. Um, and then on Saturday, uh, Philadelphia trying to wrap up the sweep. Dallas again, Boston trying to uh, continue, but they the the series goes back to New Jersey, so there'll be a little bit there. I I want to see KD uh, kind of have that game where he kind of reminds everybody who he is, and then uh, and then yeah, the Warriors don't play again till Sunday. So um, all right, so for those folks who are watching us on YouTube. Uh, you can find this podcast on BSPN, the Bay Area Sports Podcasting Network. Just go searching for BSPN wherever you listen to your podcast. And on the flip side, those of you who are listening to the podcast version and you want to find us on YouTube, find us on our live streams, just search BSPN as well on YouTube. We don't have the fancy link yet because uh, I don't think we have enough followers to get the fancy link yet, in, enough subscribers. But uh, yeah, so you can find us in a couple different places. We we got Twitter, BSPN shows, uh, Instagram as well. Uh, we set up the uh, the Facebook page. We have a Facebook group for the death lineup. So we got everything covered. So you can just search us and, and find us. But Eric, thank you for joining. This pleasure, was pleasure. Awesome. Um, Brian, of course, uh, I guess we're just going to keep doing these until one of us can't do them. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know. We just, we, we, I only was going to do the first one. Then I thought I was going to be in Arizona and we couldn't go. So we've just done live streams after all three games so far. So Sunday night, unless Brian's got some plans or something, I guess we'll I be got back. Nothing. I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric, you are welcome to join us whenever you are free. So. Only on the wins, only on the wins. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so for Brian, for Eric, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. This is Kirk Henderson from Pod Maverick, a Dallas Mavericks podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, 
podcast network, and business operations. Now they're raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.